Uh, what Chuck and I always say we're going to talk about is never where we actually land, though we always wind up where we're going, if that makes yes. sense. Um, the road may not be straight, but we get there. All right, well, uh, yeah, so if you're watching this, you see uh, Chuck and I have changed our environment a little bit. Um, we're not in the offices at Bethesda when we started recording these. Uh, obviously, he's not sitting next to me, which I guess he's on this side. I got to remember my video is flipped, so he's over <laughs> there now. Uh, so, yeah, Chuck's not sitting next to me. We're not sitting at a table talking like we had originally envisioned all this. Uh, Chuck has also since retired. Um, since the last time uh, we recorded one of these, but fortunately he was gracious enough to lend his time and his knowledge, uh, which leads us into our discussion and why I have uh, Mr. Kelly on the uh, on the podcast here with me. We are going to talk about overtime. I thought Chuck and I could have a quick discussion and kind of talk about some things that come up and some questions that we see when people are looking at overtime, both in their contract and as well as uh, when looking at it in relation to uh, the Fair Labor Standards Act or the FLSA, as we'll probably refer to it a lot over the next few minutes here. Uh, but that, that might actually be a good place to start. Chuck, would you maybe spend a, a minute and just summarize the overtime requirements under the FLSA? Sure. Um, you know, I haven't worked a job that paid overtime in, since the bicentennial, 1976. <laughs> And even that was a pretty crappy system they had. Uh, the Fair Labor Standards Act uh, is pretty simple, really. It just says that, in essence, if you work more than 40 hours in a week, you get paid no less than time and one half your regular rate of pay. Now, it gets complicated if people are working at two different rates of pay during the week, and there's a few other Things get thrown in there, but essentially employers are free under the law to set up whatever week they want. They can change the week. It's seven consecutive days. They can, cannot change the week to avoid overtime, but if you get a new payroll system and you want to go from closing out your week on Friday to closing it out on Sunday, you're free to do that as long as that change doesn't cost anybody hours in that week. So I think you just might have hit the nail on the head of our discussion there is a lot of times our employers are faced with determining whether it is a federally required overtime hour, so something pursuant to what the FLSA would require, which is what you discussed, or is it contractually required? Uh, like you talked about, a lot of our contracts have overtime after 8 or 10 or overtime after a certain uh time during the day. I know I had a contract that said time and a half started after 4.30, so it didn't matter if you came to work at 2 and you worked till 5, you got a half hour in overtime because it was right. overtime based on the clock. That'd be an example of contractual overtime because that's not what the Fair Labor Standards Act says. That's the first thing I like to like to look at when I'm examining an hour is, first of all, is this an hour required to be paid overtime uh, uh, pursuant to the FLSA. So is, is, it, is it illegal if the contractor doesn't pay this as an overtime hour? Uh, because if the answer is yes, then you pretty much stop right there. Contractor needs to pay that time as overtime. 
Uh, but then you right. move on into, okay, well, no, it's not illegal if he doesn't pay it as overtime here. But now, is it a violation of the contract? And so I think a lot of people uh, get lost in that. And I, I mean, on both sides of the table, both the union and management, I see a lot of times they try to throw the FLSA on the table and they say, well, no, no, no. According to the FLSA, you should get overtime in this scenario. And what they forget is exactly what you just said. The FLSA only requires time and a half, and that's very important, of the regular, I think it's regular rate of pay, is that how they say it? Or the regular uh, hourly rate? I know because they don't actually say hourly rate, it's regular rate of pay. Um, They don't talk about weekends. They don't talk about holidays. They don't really discuss any of that. Well, I guess I am a little wrong. They actually do talk about special days. It's actually weighed in on this the other day, but we can talk about that in just a minute or if you want to cover it now no there is some talk of that when computing overtime and what you have to include it's it's not always as simple as just saying you know the contract says it's thirty dollars an hour so when they go on overtime i pay them 45 because it's the individual's regular rate of pay if you're paying over scale you have to consider that and pay overtime accordingly. Uh, But premiums that are paid for working special days are sometimes not included in the overtime. And gratuitous bonuses and things like that are not included in the overtime. But you have to be careful because if you pay someone incentive pay, safety pay, anything that's based on hours worked, that can be imputed into their hourly wage rate as well. And employers sometimes have to go back and recalculate overtime that they've already paid because now that bonus gets applied backwards across all the hours that they work to earn the bonus and any overtime that was paid has to be adjusted. Yeah, I think that's where um, the FLSA is simple in that what it says when overtime needs to be paid but where it can get complex is the calculation. Um, and the reason that I brought up the special days um, is because it's actually applicable to our contractual overtime, which is overtime in our shift work. Because a lot of people, and I've been dealing with this issue regularly, and uh, if the gentleman that's been asking me all these questions uh, watches this, he'll probably laugh right <laughs> now. But uh, co- a conversation we were having is, um, working third shift, but if let's say they're working third shift on uh, Friday, which is you know obviously going to bleed into Saturday, but then they go on, um, then they have to get called in on Sunday to work, uh, and the union asserts, well now on Sunday you have to pay them their third shift rate, which was their hourly rate plus thirty one percent, and you have to double that because they get double time on Sundays according to the contract. That's where this whole special days comes into play. When If they work the overtime on that Sunday, those hours apply to what would be considered a special day rate because our contracts treat the weekends and holidays as special days. So on Sunday, they get double time, but it's double time of the contract rate, which is whatever the journeyman rate happens to be. Yeah, so, and I know that that's, that's complex, but the simplest way to look at it is you basically have... Um, one of two ways to calculate it. You have the predominant way, which is what you talked about, Chuck, which is a blend 
of the average rate. So what is, you know, when you when you have to blend in these incentive pays or if you're paying them over, you know, what's their average hourly rate when you blend it over this time period? That's what you have to time and a half according to the FLSA. Uh, but to button it up, so you have the hourly blend for the overtime rate. So to kind of calculate what your hourly rate is and that's what you time and a half. Or you have to look at that special day calculation. Are these individuals working on what is an agreed upon special day. And there are requirements for the agreed upon special day, but for our purposes, what you need to know is that if the Department of Labor were to evaluate it, they would see our CBA as the agreement between the employer and the employee that Saturday, Sunday holidays are special days. Therefore, they're, they're not, they don't fall in shift. They don't fall in the regular work week. They are literally special work on that day. So if there's an overtime on Saturday, Sunday, holiday, it is calculated based off of the rate that applies to that day. And now I am officially tongue-tied. So Chuck, if you had anything you wanted to throw into that. No, that that is obtuse enough to cover shift <laughs> language, I think. Yeah. Um, but I would point out uh, the Fair Labor Standards Act doesn't allow you to bargain away overtime. But there are these uh, nuances in there that come into play. The agreement will provide some amount of driving time to offset the time that workers have to spend driving to work. Um, the problem is they often say they get an hour before work and an hour after work at straight time to drive home, and that's the way our employers pay it. So they work they drive for an hour, then they work for eight hours, then they drive for an hour. They do this all week. At the end of the week, they get paid 40 hours pay for their working, and then the employers pay them another 10 hours straight time for driving. Problem is, the law sees that as 50 hours of work, right. because once you put in the agreement that you're going to pay somebody for doing something, it becomes work. And the definition of work is the topic of another podcast, yeah. but just, just be aware if you have language in your agreement where you're paying somebody for doing something, you have to count those hours towards overtime. So the proper way to pay in that scenario would be 40 hours of straight time and 10 hours of overtime. One thing you can do is you can bargain a different rate for driving and you can agree in advance that those are the actual overtime hours. And then instead of averaging the person's wage rate over the week, you can pay driving time over time and then straight time for the work. And the way that sometimes is stated is that the driver, during driving time, the individual gets one half the straight time journeyman rate of pay but it's at double time. So you end up at the end of the week paying 50 hours of straight time, but for legal purposes, you've paid 40 hours at straight time, 10 hours at double time, but those double time hours have the same cost as a straight time hour. You can do that. You have to be really specific in setting it up. You probably want to uh, talk to an attorney who's familiar with with uh, the FLSA to make sure that 
that you get the details, but but that can be done. But just be aware, it's every hour that somebody works and driving is work if you put it in your agreement and say it is. Otherwise, it's commuting time and you don't pay them at all. Uh, an interesting uh, item to note, and I wanted to bring this up to you because I know you are all knowing and you are aware of this, uh, but I became aware of this whenever I was doing some studying on how our shift work plays with the FLSA and how that whole special day thing kicks in. And I guess two, the two and two I never put together is if you're discussing overtime hours on a weekend, like let's say a Saturday or a Sunday, if the individual has truly worked just the normal shift hours, that individual hasn't actually worked physically 40 hours during the week. Right. So let's say you have the standard shift language and they work third shift through the Monday through Friday, they get off work, but then they get called in on Sunday to work and there's a question on their overtime. You can say right off the bat that that question is a contractual question because actually under the FLSA, they're not eligible for overtime yet because they haven't worked 40 hours. Right. They've only worked 35 hours. So right. their first five hours after that can be paid straight time under the law. And, and the law doesn't care exactly how you figure this out as long as the minimum is met. So even if you were to pay on the weekend a lower rate for somebody on third shift and they totaled getting 40, what, 43 hours. So they're only entitled to, to three hours of overtime at time and a half. Well, if the total you paid considering shift premiums and you know, overtime rates and things works out, you'd be okay. Right. Maybe not contractually, but under the not contractually, yeah. but, but under the law. So sometimes the law works in our favor, or if you're working overtime and you go directly to double time, you're pretty much covered regardless because the law doesn't care, doesn't require any double time, which we've said before. If you were paying overtime according to the contract, you are not going to be in violation of the FLSA unless you get into that yeah. drive time one like you talked about because nine and a half times out of ten, our contractual overtime is healthier than what the FLSA requires. Uh, that's actually right. one thing I note whenever I give presentations to our chapter managers and especially for our new managers out there is look in your contract and determine how your overtime is calculated. Uh, is it based on the individual? You know, is it if I come to work and I work Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, am I going to automatically get overtime on Saturday because of your contractual language? Or do I have to first work those eight hours that I missed on Tuesday? Or is it based on the clock on the wall where literally straight time is from this time to this time and anything outside of it is overtime regardless of what you work. So from 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. is straight time Monday through Friday. But if I show up to work at 3 p.m. and the job runs till 6, I can get an hour and a half overtime on that because from 4.31 to 6, I'm on overtime. It's something to be aware of. Check your contract. Sit down, find a quiet place, read your agreement from cover to cover. Uh, make sure you know what it says because that's where a lot of these questions and problems arise. 
And I'll do a uh, shameless plug here. I actually have a decent checklist that'll help you step through your agreement. It's not an all-encompassing. It is not the end-all be-all, but it is a good guide to understand um, what you need to be uh, checking in your agreement, like the big things you need to know, the big things you need to hit. Um, so, you know, shameless plug for that one. <laughs> the biggest problems, and I guess we should throw out here as well, that states can have, write their own overtime laws, their own wage and hour laws. California, if you're watching from California, you know what I'm talking about. A couple of the worst cases uh, on overtime or work hours come from California. One was a situation where employers were paying straight time for driving before and after because the contract said they could. And the state of California said, no, you can't. Um, one again was a definition of work. Somebody went to training. It was optional. There were no um, penalties for not going. Under the federal law, it wasn't work. Under California law, it was. Something I did want to key in on that you mentioned is uh, states having their own overtime laws, things like that. My neighbors to the north of me, just maybe, what, 20 minutes to the north up in Maryland, uh, it's uh, it's Montgomery County, I believe. You're old. Or, well, you aren't part of Montgomery County, but Bethesda. No. Uh, which is where our, office, our NECA offices used to be located, and I can say used to be at this point because we now are officially in D.C., but when we were located in Montgomery County, the uh, there was a 35-hour work week. So in that scenario, you worked full-time when you hit 35 hours. So when we were talking about the shift time and like if you have that, what is it, 37 hours, I think is what you hit, um, if you were, or no, it was 35 hours on the uh, third mm -hmm. shift. So under that scenario where we said you wouldn't be eligible for overtime on the weekend, uh, that would not be true in Montgomery County because at 35 hours you've hit, uh, you've worked your full work week and now you are eligible for overtime. So that uh, I just say that to highlight uh, what Chuck just said. Really check your state and even your, not just your state, but your, uh, your county or sometimes even just a municipality because they can have some weird thing like that that has changed the work week and you're not, you didn't realize it. And even your contract could be wrong. Your contract could say, yeah, we're going to get straight time eight, eight to four thirty, But if that's eight hours and you try to do that in Montgomery County, that wouldn't work. You'd be getting into overtime starting Friday. So when you read your agreement, look for any work that's defined as being only paid at straight time. So you're defining certain activities that are only paid at straight time, uh, they will run afoul of the FLSA and uh, lesser governmental regulations as well. Be careful of that. We haven't really talked too much about your contract overtime obligations. Uh, most of the time they're pretty straightforward. You pay overtime according to what that language says, but usually unless you have the so-called physical 40 language, which says nobody gets overtime until they have worked 40 hours in the week, you're going to pay somewhere after eight hours in a day or after 4.30 in the afternoon, you're going to pay on Saturdays and Sundays. You may pay double time on Sunday. You may pay time and a half for two hours after the normal workday and then double time following that. 
You may end up, if you have paid holidays and somebody works on a paid holiday, you're going to pay them for the holiday and you're going to pay them double the straight time rate of pay for having worked on the holiday. So they get essentially triple time, although it's not quite that because usually holiday pay is just a flat eight hours. Working on the holiday would be double time whatever hours you actually work. These are the things that you have to be familiar with in your agreement. Yeah, and that may have been a uh, a little bit misleading at the beginning, where I said we were going to talk about uh, contract. You know, is it contract overtime or FLSA overtime? That's always an important distinction. Uh, but I believe if I'm obviously when I go back through and I'm looking at the recording of this to see what I said we were going to talk about, um, that's uh, just an interesting anecdote for anybody uh, watching. Uh, what Chuck and I always say we're going to talk about is never where we actually land. Though we always wind up where we're going, if that makes yes. sense. Um, the road but, may not be straight, but we get there. Yeah, and 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 the the adventure along the way is always interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but that is a that that's a very uh, a very good point, and and it's a good thing to note is it's it's difficult for us to talk about the overtime in your contract because of that one word in that sentence. Your, it is your contract. We don't know what it says. We don't know what you've bargained. And as we said in the very first uh, podcast, that's not category one language. The national parties did not sit down and determine what your overtime should be. You have the FLSA, which we've talked to at length, uh, that tells you your minimum. So you can consider that your floor and everything over that is, is what you've bargained. Uh, some of the things we have discussed are scenarios that we've run into or that we've personally experienced. But um, when you're looking at overtime, when you're trying to determine uh, an overtime question, the first question to ask is, is it a, uh, a legally required overtime hour? So is it required pursuant to the FLSA or is it required pursuant to your contract? We started this out talking about overtime. Determine first, is it overtime? If you don't pay that overtime hour, are you going to violate the Fair Labor Standards Act. If the answer to that is yes, pay the overtime hour. That's it. If you if the answer to that is no, look to your contract. If you're going to violate the contract, pay the overtime hour. If you're not going to violate the contract, probably just still pay the overtime hour because it's going to be a lot easier than fighting it. Uh, <laughs> but give us a call. Call your yeah. Call your field rep. Uh, you know, if, if you're a contractor listening to this, contact your chapter manager. They're the expert of your agreement. They probably bargain the language. They know the interpretation. They'll know the past practice. If they are unsure, they have all of us here at National as a resource backing them, uh, standing at the ready. I guess I'll, I'll wrap us up here. Uh, Chuck, first of all, uh, I can't say thank you enough. Thank you to everybody that's uh, watched and listened. If you have any questions about anything we've said, obviously, uh, you know, reach out to your field rep. If you're a chapter manager, uh, they can get in touch with us and we can help uh, provide any clarification for our member contractors. Reach out to your chapter manager. They'll be able to get the answers for you. And our field reps, if you're listening, give us a call. Uh, we're more than willing to go into and discuss this uh, more in depth. 
uh, with this video, I will post a few links to some resources that I like to use when I'm trying to interpret the FLSA and like how to calculate overtime pursuant to the FLSA uh, when you're looking at your average rate of pay and or your, your regular rate of pay as the way they word it. So I'll include that in there. I'll include my shameless plug of my uh, CBA checklist just as a good one to have for any of our new managers out there and even our experienced ones. It's a good resource to have. And then uh, we'll see you on the next one. So thank you, Chuck.